Hi, everyone. This is Takuma Sato. Minasan, konnichiwa. You're listening to the、uh, Beyond the Grid. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Beyond the Grid, presented by the new Bose noise cancelling headphones 700. I'm Tom Clarkson, and this week I'm joined by arguably the fastest Japanese driver of all time. He raced for Jordan, British American Racing, and Super Aguri in Formula One. His day of days coming at the 2004 United States Grand Prix at Indianapolis, when he finished on the podium alongside the Ferraris of Michael Schumacher and Rubens Barrichello. I'm talking, of course, about Takuma Sato. Taku's racing story is a fascinating one because there's no history of motorsport in his family. His father didn't put him on a go kart aged four. His career was entirely self made and self motivated, and only his force of character found him a way to Europe and onto the motorsport ladder. He raced in F1 from 2002 to 2008, a period when Japan's love for the sport was going through the roof. Suzuka was sold out every year, and both Honda and Toyota owned their own F1 teams. Anyone who was present at Suzuka in 2002, as I was, when Taku scored his first World Championship points for Jordan, will understand what it meant to him, to Honda, and to the fans. They were amazing scenes. I hadn't seen Taku for some time prior to sitting down with him at the recent Japanese Grand Prix, where he was in attendance as an ambassador for Honda. He looked fit, healthy, and not a day older than I remembered. It was great to catch up with him. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Taku, great to see you again. It's been a while.、Um, and it's been more than 10 years, can you believe it, since you were in Formula One? We're talking at Suzuka, Japanese Grand Prix. What's it like being back in the F1 paddock? Well, um, still um, lots of、uh, some nice、um, familiar faces, you know, still on.、Um, it's been hard to believe that it's been past 10 years. Um, but I should know it because、uh, this is my 10th anniversary for the IndyCar series、uh, to participate you know, back in 2010. Of course, in the Formula One, it was great, lots of great memories, you know,、um, starting in 2002 with the Jordan Grand Prix. I went to the、uh, BR Honda and then in the end, the Super Guri. Now, the, 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 the end was a little bit sad story, but still, we have lots of great friends. And Suzuka is,、um, it has been my a special、um, place. Um, this is the first time place that I've ever seen a motor racing. And、um, this is the first time actually I raced in bicycle race and then went to the、uh, racing school here, graduated, and then, then come back、um, as a former run driver. So it's a very special place. And the fans are just so loyal, as you can see it. And they really, really enjoyed it. In fact, they just、uh, enjoyed it in the 30th anniversary last year. So still. Lots of lots of great things happening in Suzuka here. Taku, what an intro. I feel there's so much I need to ask you about what you just said. I mean, you mentioned cycling. Let's start with that because there's no motor racing in your family, right? When、no. you were a kid, it was two wheels, not four. It was only two, and you have to, you have to push the bike by yourself.、Um, the things are, though,、um, I was crazy about cars, and you know, let's say it wasn't quite racing because I just simply didn't know, because my parents had no idea for the racing.、Uh, my, my father, though, he loves the car, you know, generally speaking.、Um, so we go to the drive, we go to the camping,、um, and, and, and、uh, I, I just naturally. Uh, really get on really well with the cars, you know, basically. However,、uh, until 
until really I got opportunity to come down to Suzuka back in 1987, the first Suzuka, the、uh, first Japanese Grand Prix in Suzuka, and I was only 10 years old boy. And a friend of my father,、uh, who works、uh, in Honda, they,、um, they had a kind of like a,、um, internal ticket, you know, together. So、uh, a couple of families gathered together and come to the race course, which I never been to. And it was just、uh, shocking to see the,、uh, how a huge facility is. And the first time I ever seen、uh, a Formula One was back in 10 years old. Of course, until then, I was just.、Uh, um, Riding the bicycle all the time, but it was, it was kind of like, like, like a normal kid. You know, you, you, you go out and the, put on a bicycle, it's just to have a fun, but it's not really in competition level. But after I seen this, this the, I thought was bicycle was the only way for me to, to, to feel about racing, feel about speed and sensation. And that's always a bicycle. So, next 10 years, Which I didn't have an environment or opportunity to go to any racing. All I had was a metal frame and two wheels. And did you race the bike in those from I 10、did. to 20? Yeah. So, so don't but, be modest. How good were you on a bike?、Um, I was a national champion in a bicycle. Also, so I started、uh, actually competing in high school days. And I won all Japan、uh, high school、um, championship、uh, back in 1994. Um, and that was my first year for the bicycle race. So I was,、um, I was actually、uh, seriously competing for the bicycle race. And I, like, you name it, like Tour de France and all the stuff that you know, was just a dream about it. But in my deep, deep, deep heart, I always knew I always wanted to go to the uh, uh, race cars. So you didn't dream of Tour de France? Well, it, it was ultimate、um, ambition or target. You want to go to the Olympic Games and you know, World Championship and stuff like that. I was dreaming about it. But、um, equally, I knew there is an enormously high competition in Europe and not in the States too. Japan, don't get me wrong, obviously, Japan is a very high competitive uh, 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 the country for the, in terms of bicycle. But myself, I didn't really see my. Myself, picture in to go to the Olympic Games. You know, although I wanted to go, I wasn't sure if I could. And is biking still part of your fitness program today? Sure. I still do love riding on the bicycle. It's, it's a tiny little machine that you can do the maintenance by yourself and you can feel it and、uh, even pottering and really nice and relaxing. And sometimes you, 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 you have、um, use that as a training tool. Now, can I take you back to that 1987 Japanese Grand Prix at Suzuka? Because that was the first F1 race at Suzuka. Yes. Didn't something like two million people apply for tickets? It must have been insane just how busy and the atmosphere and、yeah. the first time you've seen Formula One cars. It must have blown a 10 year old boy's mind. It, it was beyond your imagination.、Um, like I said, it's just a facility and scale. And the people, I think over 160,000 people were there easily. And、uh, I never seen the people, that much of the people in one place.、Um, but the biggest thing is obviously、uh, for, the, for the race car. You know, one, once you've seen the Formula One car passed in front of you, the acceleration is just enormous, you know, outrageous. The, the sounds of it is also, you know, you, you look at the TVs and, and the leading magazine, you can feel kind of、um, unreal situation. But then、uh, when you 
have all the fifth sense, you know. It's just the sound, the vibration, and just the energies, you know, from the Formula One has. That is just nothing like it. So I just stood there and uh, it got me like here uh, instantly. Energy is such a good word to use to describe a Formula One car, isn't it? But so, who were you supporting? Was it sort of Aguri Suzuki back then, or was it Senna? Or what? that time, it was uh, Satoru Nakajima. He was the uh, only, and he was a pioneer for the um, uh, Japanese Formula One driver back then. Of course, then a teammate was Ayrton Senna. So, um, as a ten-year-old boy, it's very natural to see open up the program. And everybody cheering Satoru Nakajima and the beautiful Camaro Yellow Lotus Honda, who's the teammate of Ayrton Senna. So for me, it's very natural to see that. Actually, the Senna was the first guy I remember as a foreigner, uh, you know, the, the driver. And then after that, you, of course, you know, Gerhard Bargers and Alan Prost and Nelson Piquet, Nigel Monson, etc., etc. It's coming. But at that moment, I only knew only Ayrton Senna as a teammate. And we both, naturally speaking, of course, cheering, you know, Mr. Nakajima. And then, of course, we loved, uh, you know, Tag Porsche, McLaren that day, and Ferrari was actually winning the race. But for me, um, Ayrton, who qualified seventh and then moving up to the second, so as a 10-year-old boy, no, nothing technical side. I don't know about oversteer, understeer at all. But you can see he was the only guy to catching the guy in front and he actually overtook and then moving up to the podium. So to me, it was just an amazing, amazing story. And since then, I uh, became a um, um, big fan of him and he, he was still my hero. And did you ever meet Nakajima? Back yes. then, obviously, I know oh, you've met him since. No, but. yeah, um, no, not that time. Um, as you can imagine, uh, uh, I'm from family who nothing about racing, so there is no zero connection. And um, even my father, uh, that day, he was he was first time anything like in in the mud racing. So uh, we we kept kind of uh, a good time in coming back to Suzuka after a couple of times, but there was no actual physical connection in this business. And uh, I have to say, I have to wait until 20 years old, which I come back to Suzuka as a, a, a school. But um, no, it, it, it was, uh, it was uh, for me, it was an amazing experience. I just never forget. I still clearly remember those days. And uh, the first time I met Nakajima-san um, since then was after 10 years later when I went to the Suzuka Racing School. And I know that in recent years, you've driven the McLaren MP44, which was, okay, the 88 McLaren. Those turbo cars, it must have been quite an emotional moment for you to drive Senna's car. Oh, very much, very much. Any cars in, in the powered by Honda, it's always got me like a big, you know, I mean, the sensation, you know, it's, it's the feeling of it. But uh, when I drove the MP44 in Goodwood, the first time actually original Ayrton's um, machine, and the MP44 is every single driver's, I think, dream car. You know, they, they dominated on that centuries. And uh, no, I think uh, I think it was just a beautiful car. And uh, the turbo charge kicked into and then the power and the torque available with that little really light machine. Um, it's, uh, it's amazing. How did that little boy who's winning bicycle races in Japan, national champion, how does he end up at the Suzuka Racing School? <laughs> Who did you persuade <laughs> to make that happen? Well, I mean, I tell you the longer story, make it short, uh, of course. At, um, so I was in uh, university and sitting... Uh, what were you reading? 
I was I was uh, learning human science and uh, in university, and of course, at the beside on that, I was studying uh, the bicycle race more seriously because in in high school days there were lots of uh, uh, great cycling team. However, my school didn't have a bicycle team, so in order to get to um, to the um, how can I say the official race like a junior Olympics and or Japan high school championship, you have to actually register as a school. And um, since my school didn't have it, I had to make it uh, myself with my, my, my teacher who actually is nothing like a sport. So anyway, um, so, the, so, so that was a kind of a little uh, story that yeah. I built up myself and you have to against to compete this. Let's say there is like a 20 athlete in a one group and there's a huge, almost very competitive, you know, the, uh, the team where I have, it's just nobody, it's myself. And um, primarily, only uh, um, school teacher was taking me around the uh, the track. So uh, how we that's how we started. But then in a couple of months, we become very competitive, and actually we won on on, on the race. So so then uh, I went to the university. Now you have a proper club. You know, you have a uh, 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 ten or another cyclist, or ten or fifteen, and you have a coach. You have a, you know, you have everything, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it was a great environment. So I have some satisfaction. But then, like I said, it's just I just never. It was comfortable, but it just never felt from my deep. So this is what exactly what I want. I was questioning myself. You know, when you were 19 years old, 20, you just meander. You're hovering all over the place. At the same time, I was questioning myself. No, this is this isn't my ultimately I want. I want to become a race car driver because the last ten years while I was doing a bicycle race, I was always wanting to do the racing. I just simply had zero environment. There is nothing I can do in terms of physically or financially both. Um, so then I was sitting in university time and then I was leading actually like kind of old sport magazine. Um, and did, you, then, did you really get the English magazine sent to Japan. I, I do, uh, but also I'm <laughs> yeah. uh, also a Japanese version too. And um, it's uh, actually I was leading a Japanese version at one stage, and then they talk about Suzuka Racing School, and you know you talk about Jim Russell West schools, and there is in history there is lots of great schools in in the world, but in Japan, I think it was a kind of uh, like a new generation, and it's only. Uh, there was a second year at that time. So it's really nobody knows. And people who spend some, if, if you have a budget, you'd rather go to the racing than the, um, and the race school because there was no such a clear indication of what you get after the uh, school. However, this school has got a scholarship system and also has got an age restriction. So you have to be under 20 to get in. But if you won... Um, in the in the school for the uh, kind of a seven months period of the training, you basically win a full time uh, Japanese Formula Three scholarship at that time. So it's a huge prize, and I thought this is it. This is the only and the last time to get in there because I was literally nineteen years old, and I have to wait until next term, which I become twenty. And that's so too late. That's that's too late. So this is uh, this is the last chance. That's how I basically knocked the door. However, the biggest problem was only seven drivers available to actually to get into the class. Over 70 drivers wanted to do that. And there is, uh, today, there is lots of filters, lots of, there is um, um, uh, actual audition system. So you drive the car, you, so, you show the potential. But back then, there was no um, audition system. 
And yeah, so how you, how would you choose that, <laughs> right? So they basically no, basically they have uh, like basically CV, so documentation. So the people who are, um, let's say, 17 years old, they already have, like a max, you know, they have already 12 years of the karting experience, you know, the World Cup, and et cetera, et cetera. I had two months of a karting experience and uh, three years of the bicycle, you know, experience. That's it. So my CV, it, it literally, there is a two lines. And I was became 20 on that year. And all the other people is a teenager. So naturally, you think you have zero chance to get in. Because I, I, you wouldn't choose the driver who has got only two months of the karting experience. So I basically, when, it, when they have a kind of a Q&A session, I basically raise the hands. So how would you choose all the drivers, only seven drivers from out of 70? And they said CV. And I said, that's the problem. You know, that's, I, can you do the meeting you know, with me? I just need two minutes. If you listen to my ambition, uh, maybe if I have a chance of it. And the lucky point, fortunately, um, the Suzuka said, that's a fair point. So uh, whoever wants to have this interview, you can have this interview. But however, everyone wants to. And 70 people go to the interview, it takes three, four hours. But Suzuka did it. And uh, eventually, I was chosen only driver who never had experience in, in any racing. All the other driver has got more than 10 years of karting experience. So without you putting your hand up and suggesting that, I don't think we would be sitting here now, would probably we? Probably not. What a great story. We would be probably sitting, but it's completely different circumstances. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Taku, what an amazing story. Yeah, and that's so how I started. You then win the, the scholarship, yes. you do your Japanese F3, yes. and away you go. I mean, how... Out of your depth did you feel? Because as you say, you were racing people, mm -hmm. particularly when you're in F3, you're yeah. racing people who have been racing for years. Probably a lot of Europeans have right. come over. How hard was it? Well, it was, it was very tough um, and uh, it was very uh, difficult to cope. You know, you can imagine nowadays a lot of drivers starting karting and lots of junior formulas and getting to the Formula C now you say, I don't know, Formula 3 no longer, you know, it is sadly. But back then Formula 3 was a central for the young drivers. You know, that was back in the Italian Formula C, German, French and Japanese Formula 3, just, you know, you name it. It, it, was, it was a fantastic category. But, but before that, you can have a Formula Opel, Formula Renault, and you know, Vauxhall, Vauxhall Juniors. When I won a scholarship, it automatically got to the Formula 3. That was way, way too early. I was completely incompleted. I can drive the car, I can drive naturally, probably I pick up the speed, but there is zero skill for the racing. And uh, it was way, way too early. So um, I did only a few races in Japan, but it was never actually satisfied the result back then. And then... Um, at the same time, I think in, in Japan, the competition level is really high. As you can see, Super Formula, Super GTs, probably after you spoke to Jensen, you know you know, know about more. It's great competition here. However, the, the biggest problem is in Japanese driver racing in, in Japan, growing up inside a small country, not knowing anything for the European or American racing suddenly go to the uh, one of the pinnacle racing, I don't think you can succeed. So equally, there is a communication problem. I never lived outside of Japan in my life that time. So I had zero English. You know, of course, in school, 
You can do reading, writing, maybe a little bit. But typical Japanese, you just cannot do the English. So, first of all, while your superstar is Ayrton Senna, who is Brazilian, and he went to the,、uh, the England, and then obviously dominant in the series eventually. And I just wanted to follow the step. First of all, you have to go to learn English. So the choices are after the Australia or States or, or England. And if you look at the, all the Formula 3 drivers and in, in great Formula 1 champion, it is come from through the British Formula 3. So I basically negotiate with the Honda and can I use my scholarship abroad? At that time, there was nobody done that. So, it's always you have to invent in the new stuff. But、um, I was very fortunate to keep that scholarship system to outside of Japan the first time I ever. And then that's how I started, you know, from, from the Vauxhall Junior, from the Opel, eventually Bridge from the 3 back in 2000. I mean, can we say that you were following your hero, Ayrton Senna, to, the, to Britain? Yeah, pretty much. Is that an exaggeration? Yeah. Well, I mean, of course, it's, it's circumstances very different. But to me,、um, my dream was to become, of course, in Formula One driver. But Formula One was just a way too high target. It's just a beyond your crowd. You cannot see how you get there. But Formula Three is actually a real target, a realistic target. So I really wanted to compete British Formula Three and win the domination fashion because it's the only way you can reach to the F1. That's what. I thought, and that's why I needed to do that. So, you come to England, and I think your first race, tell me if I'm wrong, was a Formula Vauxhall Junior race at Windswept Snetterton. <laughs> it was, yes. Probably cold.、Yeah. We've all been there lots of times. <laughs> How tough was it to、well, come over? You said you couldn't speak English.、Mm-hmm. Yeah,、um, it, was a, it was definitely an interesting time.、Um, but it was, it was great, you know. I mean, Out of your family, out of your friends, and you know, you, you suddenly go to the uh, uh, great cold winter in the UK, and、uh, there's not much testing, straight go to the racing. In fact, that was, that was actually summer, so that was a nice part of the England. But then、um, it, it, it was great. I mean,、uh, how can I say? I, I just went to Rangi school every day, homestaying with a very nice English、uh, family as a homestaying, and living in Stratford upon Avon. But who organized all well, that? Well, first of all, the、uh, friend of my, my, my father, who is、um, who, uh, English, but uh,、um, lived in Japan 20 years too. So he's、uh, you know, both fluent Japanese and English. And he was already back to England and、uh, he did some of the import export car business. So、uh, he started to, to help you know, for the coordinate. Uh, so, first of all, we went to the uh,、um, uh, John Village Racing and then and eventually Hugh Abstrom and Diamond Racing. We found it. And、uh, that's how we started. But anyway, so、um, he helped. First of all, so accommodation. So、uh, I lived、uh, with him and then、uh, went to the Rangi school starting and then his findings for Haas family eventually later. But that's, that's my English life started. It's the same as basically trying to learn English you know, as a student. But on the weekend, You go to the,、uh, the racing instead of some、uh, bug pool. Some, some, how, some did you, how did you find Stratford upon Avon? Was、uh, it lovely place? It's very beautiful, isn't it? It is, yeah. Shakespeare、um, country. Exactly.、Um, my friend lived in, the,、uh, lived in, in Coventry.、Uh, Coventry is a great town, but then、uh, in terms of just、uh, language school, there was not much choice. There was a courage. You know, there was, a, I think it was a great courage, but then、uh, to me, it, it was 
mm, it's not like this. And so so we we driving around a, a couple of the uh, small towns, and then um, then uh, we we found the Stratford upon Avon, and it's kind of really private uh, English school, just uh, by the river. The beautiful place, and uh, yeah, I, I basically love that that school. Did you get terribly homesick? Because I know a lot of the Europeans when they come and race in Japan are on the phone quite a lot. Yeah, and feeling because the the alien culture. Yeah, and, and not do true. Do you feel the same way when you're in England? It's somewhat yes and no. You know, I feel sometimes, of course, but um, what you're doing now is what you dreamed about over twenty years. Um, well, physically 10 years because after Suzuka. Um, but it, I was just so motivated, you know, so uh, humbling about new world, finding new world. And uh, I, was, I was busy enough to, to learn everything. So there was no time to miss your country. Um, but, you know, once for the year, you can go back to Japan and, you know, have some time with family. So I was actually okay. And in an experience on a very long daytime in summer, beautiful English time, and then go to the very gray, very dark winter time where we have like almost 80 students in, in summer one time. But then in the winter time, there is only one class and it's only four of us studying. So <laughs> you can imagine you can go through everything. But as the age of 2021, to go through that kind of experience, I felt I was really lucky. Um, different culture, like spoons and forks, you know, they, it's this actual silver. And the landlord, landlady said, oh, this has come from, you, you know, the grandfather and stuff like that. In Japan, everything's throwing off them by new one. But, um, you know, it was just, a, it's just an incredible different culture, which is, uh, for me, it was so fascinating. And at the age of 21, I was actually really start enjoying that living on the, in the UK. And... The racing really ramped up, didn't it? I mean, we didn't needn't go through the whole of your junior career, but you know that two thousand and one season. Yes, you dominate F three. Was it twelve wins? Yeah, twelve wins plus Marble Masters and Macau for Murphy. Yeah, and Spa Francorchamps and the Silverstone for the Grand Prix race. <laughs> oh my God! Sorry, twelve wins and a whole lot more. Yeah, I know. Um, Taki, was that kind of like? the most fun racing season you've ever had is it is it one of your fondest memories in racing that uh, yeah, season because you were yeah. so dominant i have to i have to agree you know of course in uh, grammar's formula 1 days and uh, in indica indy 500 of course it's nothing like it but still really the back in 2000 and 2001 british formula 3 days that really they made me happen today so many memories so many how can i say um i think it's such a needed category for the driver and back then you know you, you talk about you know Nicolas Chiesa and the, and the Brunis and Pizzonia and uh, Thomas Schechters and Anthony Davidson Ben Collins I mean there was uh, the great drivers in series and like 11th nationality in one uh, series and I think one stage with national cross and championship cross I think we had a 40 cars entry as well it's just incredible series and going to the old British road course circuit and sometimes go to the Hockenheim, Spa-Francorchamps. Uh, it was just a beautiful, beautiful days. And um, I basically also, also another, another dynamic was a car in motorsport. I just cannot, you know, forget or cannot telling this British Formula 3 success without them. Because Carling was, when I found it, it was on, only 
third year in the Bridge Formula 3. It's basically Narayan Karthikian. I mean, he built it in the surround it. Trevor Karim, Buddy Hill Boyo, <laughs> Anthony Hayat. <laughs> so the great engineers and great bunch of such quality people in there. But anyway, when I was there, it's only five people started. And I, so I tested winter testing with a Fortec and I actually break the uh, um, rap record in the winter time. So we went really fast. And there was back in there post-short racing and there's just so many great names. Cardi Motorsport was kind of no man's land, nobody knows. So when I tested with them, however, the potential I felt, well, this is a team I really needed. And they really needed to the next stage too. So like all the... Together, I think the vector was all coming all together. So when I come back to Japan to tell the Honda management, so this is a team I want to go to the user scholarship. First of all, Karim who? <laughs> they didn't know. You know, of course they want to expect to go to post-trot racing, et cetera, et cetera. How, I, think, I think it is both great teams, of course. But with Trevor, I think, you know, this is a team I really want to succeed. And um, that's how we did it. And a small team now become the uh, the the biggest and most successful, you know, did you talk? Team. Did you talk to Sir Jackie Stewart about racing for Paul Stewart Racing? Actually, we talked about it, but that time I think the seat was a full, you know, oh, okay. the field. So yeah. it was, I think, I think it was difficult in, yeah. in two, year 2000. Yeah. And Macau, awesome racetrack. Awesome racetrack. Um, Is it still one of the best tracks you've ever raced? Definitely. Could definitely. we say it's the best? Well, one of the best for sure. <laughs> but as um, as a time goes through the all the experience, I would say that was the best race in my whole career too. Because you just dreamed about it all the time. You know, the first Macau Formula Three winner is Ayrton Senna, of course. And then since then, we've seen so many great driver. Um, you know, it's going through the Macau, you know, of course, like Mikahakin and Magu Schumacher, that was just a legend race. I still remember everything, but that, that, that race, particular race, you have to go through it. But of course, you know, close to year 2000, a lot of drivers uh, contracted with team and manufacturer, you know, way earlier than Macau Day. So during the season, they contracted to go to the uh, um, International Formula 3000 or let's say uh, become the test driver of the Formula 1. It's not necessarily there is a heritage that you have to win the Macau Formula 3 and then you get the test. You know, for example, Frank Williams, you know, you get the call from the testing. That's because you won a Macau Formula 3. But it is now not. You know, I mean, it was a different timing. But I, for me, it, just, just to follow the Senna's footage as well as a true Formula 3 champion, you have to compete Macau and you have to be best of the best among the champion, the champion. That's, that's how I just beautifully imagine how, you know, you, you want to challenge it. And was that the race that made Eddie Jordan wake up? Or was, had you already started talking to him about racing? No, that, I was already contracted as a Jordan Grand Prix driver. You went to Macau already con- with a race oh wow race yes. seat so, in your so that was a history as well the first time as, as, so, so that's why actually in fact Eddie didn't want me to go there because year 2000 Macau um, I read the race about five seconds and I basically I crashed into the toe one <laughs> I couldn't stop it so for me I, I, I after after a, a great year 2001 in the dominance I um, uh, wanted to go back to Macau and win the race however after I won the British Formula 3 champion I already signed a contract with Eddie 
Now, Eddie said, Taku, no, you don't go to Macau. That's what he said. Um, but I want to go. Yeah, but look, you will lose everything but gain nothing. Like every single driver, you wanted, they wanted to beat you because you now currently Formula One driver is going to. And why would you do that? You know, but I, I said to, I basically explained all my story to how important Macau will be. And also will be my ultimate practice to go to Macau before go to the Formula One because you have enormous pressure because there's only one way you have to succeed, right? Otherwise fail. If I cannot, how can I say, compete myself for the, all the pressures and all the uh, ambitions, you, you wouldn't be able to succeed in Formula One anyway. So I said, Eddie, no, I really want to go. No, not I want to. I need to go. If you wouldn't let me you know, go to Macau, I wouldn't drive for you. That's Andrew Gilbert Scott and I literally talked to Eddie Jordan that way. If you don't let me go, forget about Formula One. <laughs> yes. How could you do that? You, you, you're not I in the position. I can only imagine Eddie You're not Jordan's in the position. Yeah. No, no way. But, you know, in extreme, maybe exaggerate, you know, the, uh, the, no, the things. What a great but, story. But this is how mm. Andrew, who's my manager, who was my manager, and I so determined to go to. But now Eddie said, okay, you go, but you must win. Now the pressure is on like a hundred times. But um, we made it. And then was he the first phone call? Yes. It was, it was just an incredible moment. I just never forgot the uh, sensation of winning a Macau Formula 3 and the top of the podium. That was a beautiful day. So you're already, for want of a better expression, in bed with Jordan. Why was it Jordan? Why did you think that's where I'm going to make my Formula 1 debut? Well, I think, uh, of course, in back in days, of course, still uh, a great manufacturer teams are starting. But then uh, still there was, there was a, like, you know, to Jordan, it, it is such an iconic team for any young drivers to go through it. Obviously, the best example is you know Michael Schumacher, but not only for that. Eddie is a guy who is a racer and who likes the uh, I think young talent and then bring the uh, the new talent to the Formula One. I think he felt that he's uh, he's uh, he's uh, I don't know how to say it. That's what he has to do. And uh, we're missing all these private team, you know, a lot, Minardi and Salva and stuff like that. But I, I was, I was uh, fortunate. Uh, of course, it's, you, have to, you have to consider the time and uh, you have to consider who is behind back in then. Uh, the, it was a Mugen Honda team, but it's about to become the Honda team. So, of course, I was uh, very fortunate to be part of a Honda family to go to Jordan together. Of course, as ADs, and you can see the obviously business side that you think about it. But any business side, you have ability to win the race. Because otherwise, even Eddie Jordan, you wouldn't put the car is only for the financial part. You, of course not. The only reason he chose me was because, of course, I won a bridge from a three, and uh, I actually tested, you know, with them, and he see exactly what I am capable with in his uh, his car, and he basically he was happy with that. Where was that test? It was a Harris. It was after year 2000. It's just before the getting Christmas. And it was a funny story because nobody knew. Nobody knew. Even the, uh, I think it was the Likao Santa was supposed to be driving. And I really didn't have a seat either. So um, we, we all, um, how can I say, we all used, was Andrew actually, Andrew Gibbert-Scott, he was doing a, a lot of straight line tests for the uh, Jordan too. So he has a shell and uh, I put in a two-part form 
seat on top of Andrew's seat and then bring it. I think uh, Ian Phillips, myself, of course, and then uh, Eddie Jordan and uh, possibly one engineer and Andrew. So I think five or six people only knew even two or three days before I go to the Harris. And I was basically caught them surprised. Here's a, here's a driver who, who driving. And I have to wear the Yano Trulli suits because it's perfectly fitting all together. And uh, it was amazing, uh, you know, amazing uh, 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 experience. And, uh, and according to Eddie, that was just a little Christmas present because I basically, most numbers win and a pole in British Formula 3, although I didn't win the championship and, you know, Pizzonia won it. Uh, but then he wanted to to give uh, some opportunity. A bit like Frank Reed must give to the Audi Formula 3 drivers in backing days. And you felt that the 2002 drive was on the horizon from that moment onwards? I I strongly believe say that, yes, because, uh, of course, there was a BR Honda as a program was starting. And in 2001, I went to the... Uh, basically, I competed the uh, ex-British Formula 3, Mark Haynes. Oh, uh, not sorry. Uh, who was it? Um should know it but the uh british formula 3 champion in previous years but anyway was mark was it mark yeah probably i think it was mark yeah but the uh so i had to compete him uh and to to get an audition but i I become the uh uh, br test driver in 2001 with anthony as well he won the uh, i think uh, mclaren brdc award so it was a good time but then um i could see um in um, of course, in the BR, there was uh, Olivia and uh, Jack was driving, and Jensen just on board. There was no way that I can squeeze into that seat, and um, I could see Eddie is always interested. And uh, for me, there was a opportunity, and um, deal's done. This become a, a perfect size team. Yes, what a great way to start. Yes. Now, one of the memories of that 2002 season. There's two memories actually. Yes, one, if we take it in chronological order. Austria. Yeah. Every time I look at that clip of that crash, I shudder. What is it? Turn two. Heidfeld loses it. Yeah. From miles back. Miles away. And just sideswipes you. What are your memories of that crash? Well, I mean, I I knew nothing, right? Physically, you cannot see. I knew Van Pablo Montoya was inside of me at the restart. And I was kind of, uh, you know, obviously give him a space. And we go to the side by side, still leading the, going to the hairpins. And suddenly, like a smash, like just unbelievable impact. And I thought like a meteor was hit me or something. Because there's no way Van Pablo hit me that way. And, right? and I couldn't see, physically you cannot see it. And I just couldn't believe if anything hit me was like unbelievable, big, big impact. How were you afterwards? Were you knocked out? No, I wasn't unconscious. I I, I, I aware of that. But just the pain and my, it was almost like almost a blackout, you know, instantly. But then after the spinning, all the stuff that I almost like paralyzing a huge painful body. And then actually the cockpit was was completely broken and you can you can see the gravel through the punch in the hole through the monocoque and my my legs was sandwiched on on, on the you know scrapped monocoque and i thought jesus <laughs> you know and it's just a, a seconds and after now i just feel start feeling my feet and okay everything's one piece now and uh, just help me <laughs> was that was that the first big accident of your career absolutely there was a there was the biggest for sure how much of a wake-up call was it in terms of the dangers of oh what no you're doing? i mean in terms of danger i mean still you're 
young and you're kind of fearless and you don't really feel the uh, fear. But I just uh, I was thanking, you know, thanking the old FIAs and regulations, all the uh, safeties. Because uh, I think in, in probably, let's say, five years ago, if I was exactly the same situation with the side impact on regulation, my leg's probably more damaged. Um, so I really thanks you now. Uh, thanks. And also, I have to say uh, thank you very much for the Egbal Hamidi, who designed EJ12. It's very famously highest front nose ever had in Formula 1. The reason I say that, because the uh, huge metal chunk of magnesium, which is, uh, which is the heaviest part of the, and hardest part of the Formula 1 car with Nikhil Ferro's server car, is heated backwards on the one of the weakest point. But because the high nose, the gearbox went to underneath of my basically knee. Yeah. So uh, I missed it probably inches. And if it's an ordinary front nose, can you imagine how disaster will be? So everything it was just uh, just naturally coincident. But um, yeah, I was escaped without any serious injury. So uh, no, that was uh, amazing. It was a good little car. Yeah. Eggbull did a good job. And then we go to Suzuka, mm-hmm. the place where it all started, Taku age 10. And you get, you finish in the points, for goodness sake, yes. in your first Japanese Grand Prix. I mean, a huge moment. A huge moment, huge moment. Uh, needless to say, my first year in Jordan days, it wasn't an easy season. You know, it was a lot of difficulty. And, uh, but the car actually starting, uh, I think Gary Anderson did an incredible job, you know, taking over after Eggballs and become the technical directors and, and uh, they look at the, all the, uh, even you know, installation stiffness, all the stuff that it's just so many potential that car has. Initially, it didn't work. But in the end, at the Suzuka, it was just a, one of the beautiful car. And and uh, the great thing was that that day, with all the budget and problems and stuff like that, after May, we didn't have any testing. We're not really allowed to have any luxury of the go testing. So imagine I, from the Formula 3, so most of the race truck, I don't know. I don't know about the new front wing. I don't know about the tire spec. And you have to go to the weekend and you have to, you know, just just follow the uh, things and then you bugger off to the next Grand Prix. You know, it was tough. And the car was probably the, uh, you know, hardest car ever driven, according to Suzuki So uh, imagine it was difficult. But uh, before Suzuka, we actually um, had a time to go to the uh, Silverstone. And uh, they did, uh, so 2003's a new, some electrical uh, testing. But physically, there's nothing development coming. So we are allowed to have anything, basically. So it was a great testing. And the first time, actually, in season, I did compare to the tire back to back quite a lot. And we chose, or not, not chose, we knew that the spec and compound or the Bridgestone brought to the Suzuka, before we go to Suzuka, we knew and we have the chance to learn it. Therefore, the car worked much, 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 much better. And my race car engineer at that time was James Key. And we were both first year in Formula One, uh, which, what a great combination. But we made a significant improvement after Silverstone test and uh, came to Suzuka and uh, we were the fastest uh, Honda car, you know. So that was a beautiful, the, the commitment Go through the one one thirty out. I, I think I think you love that story. So we were, I think, eleventh quickest on the back straight. You know, of course, uh, um, you know, McLaren and and the Williams and and uh, and uh, the Ferraris. They they they're really fast and down the back straight. So I was eleventh before one thirty R, which all the one thirty R, and nobody goes to the flat. And there is a another 
speed trap point after one thirty R, and I was second. So, <laughs> of course, first is a Michael Schumacher, and the second was a little Jordan Honda going to sideways and go over the curve. I kept the flat out, and um, we, we nailed it. So I was second on speed trap on that time, and then obviously seventh on the qualification, which was same set and same as the race you know back in 87 it was a yellow car dhl jordan holder different car but there's so many little stories that go together so that was a special moment and then of course the race went really well finish you know the fifth um, were you a hero well i mean how, uh, how did how did the japanese fans react to you you can see 160,000 people waving the flags, yellow flags, the Suzuka become absolutely yellow. And that was just so, so appreciated. All the support I've got and my first ever home Grand Prix to become that kind of sensation. I mean, it was just amazing. And did mum and dad come to that Japanese yes. Grand Prix? Yes, they were. Was that their first Grand Prix? He, well, they or came to uh, some other race mm. too. I think it came to Silverstone and Hungary or somewhere. But um, What did they uh, make? In of- fact, no, no, I think Austria because it was a Mother's Day in Austria. I know, it was a worst <laughs> race, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Mum was there. Yes, Mum was there. Mum, let me introduce you to <laughs> Formula One. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Um, God, so it was, that must it was, have been horrific for yeah, her just to see yeah, you going yeah. through that. But how did they deal with formula one did they well, they understood suddenly where what the passion was about sure the- certainly they were not uh specialist they are not uh you know motor racing fan in in fact they eventually they become you know huge fan of course but at that time they were just i don't know amazing for everything and uh we just really uh i was just so lucky that you know have a great parents just inviting on the paddock the best car you ever drove in formula one has to be the 2.4? Yeah, I mean, 2004 BR Honda, in terms of for the competition level, yes, that was uh, the great car. You know, I mean, you, you talk about the V10, 3,000, you know, cubic engine and uh, screaming 18,000 RPM. Uh, it's a beautiful, best time in the Formula 1. And, uh, you know, there was tire wall, so, and there's downforce. And there was, I think, uh, lots of, lots of uh, 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 rap record, you know, back in 2004, because the car was just extremely fast. I think it was a great car. But if I choose the best ever handling car I ever driven, I had to be, say, uh, Toro Rosso in 2008 testing. How Ferrari engine. Yeah. At the end of 2008, yes. you tested that car, yes. didn't you? I named on top of the time seat, even faster than Special Vettel. <laughs> No, and yeah, Bordet or not? Yeah, no. no, of course. That was a great day. You know, I mean, I, I had a great time and, and uh, of course, and under the Honda's permission, of course, you know, the kids Honda pulled um, the things out. In, in, so I was allowed to driving Ferrari engine at the same time. But this is uh, Edu New is a Formula One car. Wow. Of course. Yeah. But now, how serious were you? So the Super Guri thing had come mm-hmm. to an end halfway through yes. 2008. Very disappointing, yes. sort of fizzled out. It was sad, it? yeah. How serious were you about getting into bed with Toro Rosso and Red Bull? I was very serious, of course. You know, yeah, I was very yeah. serious. Uh, I I really believed Tui become there was a, a great home, next home for me for the uh, maybe second uh, career in a Formula One. Because you know, half half a year ago when I was racing in in Barcelona in in tiny great team though, but you know the uh, Super Guri team, you know I think uh, we were lapped by 
I don't know how many times, maybe three or four times. It was a difficult time. But then a half year later, you test it with that troll. It's like a beautiful car. You know, it's just, there is, uh, how can I ex- explain it? I did over 300 laps over the uh, three days test. And not even once I footstep wrong. You know, the car become talk to the driver so much, you know so much, and you can commit so much, and you yet you have become the fastest time seed and not even a footstep wrong. So this is an amazing feeling. So this is a Formula 1 car, I thought. No, of course, but 2004 was great too. How disappointing was it not to get that drive in 2009? Well, that was a very, very difficult situation, very disappointed. Um, I was upset. Um but it's in uh, that's in the past. That's in the history. It's no and point. And it's so to funny talking. now that you're spending so much time racing Bordet. I know. In the States. I know. I know. <laughs> Have you ever talked to him about it? <laughs> but look, that two four. There's two things. Uh, yes. 2004. Your Jensen's teammate. Yes. The team finishes second in the constructors' championship. First podium mm-hmm. for a Jap- uh, No, she wasn't the first Japanese driver right. because of Suzuki. But your first um, podium at Indianapolis of yes. all places memories of that day oh it's just a uh, amazing feeling you know amazing feeling not not only for the indianapolis a few races before you know like uh, nurburgring european grand prix i became the first japanese driver to go to this front row you know in qualification with side by side with Magu schumacher that was a dream you know you you always dream about it and then there was lots of lots of great opportunity but just a failing 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 i'm failing scoring failing in the podium and then finally uh indianapolis you know i qualified third and one time I was back in 11th because there was a huge uh, accident by Ralph Schumacher and the safety guard brought in and we didn't come into the pit because we stick on two-stop strategy or something. So uh, Ferrari in front of us, they get into the um, pit, but because debris so everywhere else, we have to throw in there so much, yet they came out in front of us, you know, after pit stop. So we thought there's no way we can do the great race, but then Backing drops the 11th, but then it's just overtaking, 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 and uh, we become got the third. So that was, uh, I remember so clearly, it was beautiful view from the uh, podium. The Honda engineers and the team staff, everyone just so smiling and crying. Incredible, incredible feeling. And so funny that you've gone on and won the Indy 500. Is it the same podium it for the, the 500 podium. and yes. for Formula 1? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty Did much. Schumacher... So you're on the podium there with both Ferrari drivers, yes. Michael Schumacher, Rubens Barrichello. Yeah. Did Michael say anything to you on the podium? Well, he um, he, he welcomed me. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, such a, it's such a great, you know, it, like you finally made it. You know, he he, he, he and I obviously shared uh, yeah, lots of, uh, um, uh, in qualification, uh, occasionally I became a third quite a few times. Like Barcelona was the first time I remember, if I remember correctly. But uh, the Michael and I had a um, um, great relationship. I mean, uh, sometimes it was a difficult time, of course, and we gone through together. But, uh, you know, that podium, you know, a champagne celebration with, uh, with the two Ferraris drivers and one of them is Michael Schumacher and that's uh, that's an uh, amazing uh, memory for me and then before we end we must just talk about the Super Guri mm-hmm. adventure um, first of all how frustrated were you not to be retained by BAR at the end of 05 because Barrichello comes in yeah um, Jensen had a contract with Williams so he was going to however I know there is some politics there is some manoeuvres that don't necessarily um, appreciate it um, but nothing you can control and things happen, happen. And uh, after all the puzzle, uh, you're basically out of the seat. 
Now, obviously, I was very disappointed, frustrated,、uh, but equally, 2005, we had a, such a difficult year, and、uh, we just needed to basically reborn the stuff.、Uh, the Time there was a super guri story was still in talk and, and on the table,、um, but it was no actual function four months before the Grand Prix. But then,、um, next, next, I think, next、uh, 30 days they started kicking off, and then within、uh, 90 days, we are on the next year's Grand Grid. So, it was a superb job and super guri.、Um, but at that time, yes, you were, you were quite down mentally, very, very difficult time. Did it remind you of being at Jordan? Was it that kind of operation? Sort of,、Or? yes and no. I mean, Jordan times is a bit different. You have, still have a looking for the future and you、um, become an actual reserve driver contract with now BAR. And I see there is a you know, potential too that、uh, you can still build your future.、Um, so it's a bit different. But the BR time was、um, no existing team is available at that time. So if anything, Honda can do is just, just okay. Build a new team. <laughs> so I mean, amazing, really. It is, it is actually. <laughs> you think about it, it was, it was an amazing story.、Yeah. But,、um, and actually, that sixth place in Canada, 2007,、yeah. was that almost as good a result as any you'd got in Formula One? Was、true. it comparable almost to Indianapolis? True, very true. And in fact, the,、uh, the Super Gooey team, the nearest live over was, I think, is a spiker at the bar end and two seconds off the pace, and I think five seconds from the、uh, front rows. And that started, you know, and 12 months later, we were on Q3. At Melbourne, and then a few months later, the Barcelona A Press, and then six in Canada. You're overtaking now Toyota's Ralph Schumacher, Ferrari Kimi Raikkonen, and then, of、Alonso. course, Fernando Alonso in McLaren. How, how could you do like, that in, in the press room? Everyone started cheering when you <laughs> just because it was such a、yeah. you know, David it, and Goliath story, it, wasn't it? I could see the, all the guys in the Super Grid. I mean, they were almost falling off from the pit wall because every single time they're punching and the, everything up in the air. It was just amazing time. Well, Taku, I feel we could have talked for know, hours, couldn't we? But it's frustrating. But、um, how, how do you reflect on it all, the, the F1 part of your career? I think I, think I just only say thank you and be great appreciation. For me, end of the day, it was, for me, it was an unfinished job in a Formula One. However, I think I had a way too great, fortunate situation. I'm a really lucky guy to be able to do that. And、uh, part of the Honda family to, to have living with an amazing time in Formula One. And、uh, I just only feel really appreciation. And nowadays, trying to support new generation driver and Naoki drove today. And that was just、uh, great to see him、uh, driving so well. Naoki Yamamoto, you're referring to, who did FP1 for Toro Rosso in Suzuka. How good is he? He's very good. He's the real deal. Jensen、good. Button was talking him up. Yep.、Time. I mean, he might not be a teenager, new, you know, the lucky driver, but he, I mean, let's put it this way he never drove Formula One car. Okay. He knows Suzuka probably more than anybody else. But after only two sets of new tyre, in fact, after one set and the second set is the only chance you made a lap time within the tenth with Danny Cubieto. So, This is amazing. I mean, he just done an amazing, tremendous job. And he did basically zero mistake, communicated really well. And he shows us really great、uh, future of、uh, next generation of young Japanese drivers. Do you think Honda are keen to get him in? Surely, surely that's the intention. But Formula One is not very simple. So I don't know how much they can do. But I'm sure 
Naoki's performance today is with all the Toros and Red Bull. They see internally what's happening, and uh, I think they are really impressed with his performance. Mm. Well, Taku, thank you very much for your time. You're Brilliant welcome. to see you again. Okay. And um, again, there's, I feel there's definitely another podcast in you. Okay, there's, let's there's do so the part two sometimes. Yeah, exactly. We haven't even got to the IndyCar story. So. I know. <laughs> anyway, okay, thanks, Tom. Great stuff. All right, okay, thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Unfortunately, we had to cut our chat slightly short because Taku needed to run off to another commitment, but there's still plenty to take from what he had to say. His love of motorsport is infectious, and he seems truly grateful for the career that he had in Formula One and is continuing to have in America today. You can just imagine his discussions with Eddie Jordan about the Macau F3 race, and it was only Taku's passion for racing that forced EJ's hand. And who expected him to say the Toro Rosso from 2008 was the best F1 car he ever drove? It would be interesting to get Sebastian Vettel's thoughts on that car, wouldn't it? Well, thanks for your time, Taku. It was lovely to see you again and great to catch up. That's it for another episode, but we'll be back next week with yet another big name from the world of F1. Until then, why not subscribe to Beyond the Grid if you haven't already? We're on all of your favourite podcast apps, including Apple and Spotify. And thanks for your feedback about last week's episode with Ralph Schumacher. It was fun to talk to him, and it seems as though you guys enjoyed hearing from him as well. I don't listen to many podcasts, says Stephen Heap via Twitter. In fact, none. But when I heard your interview with Ralph Schumacher, I had to tune in. It was so refreshing and fascinating to hear his insight and honesty. Motorsport is all the richer for having someone like him within it. Indeed it is, Stephen, and we'll hopefully hear a lot more from Ralph in the coming years as his son David climbs up the motorsport ladder towards F1. And please keep your feedback coming. We love it. Remember to use the hashtag F1BeyondTheGrid and you can tweet me at TomClarksonF1. Beyond the Grid is produced by F1 in association with Audioboom. Until next time, keep it flat out. <laughs>